right, well, that wasn't pretty, but it was effective. Uh, this is the Texas Tech Edition, the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. And quite honestly, that just about describes Texas Tech, both on the football field and on the basketball court this weekend as they beat Kansas 16-13. to Still a big one. We'll just spend a couple minutes on that. And then Texas Tech basketball, after football, made you sweat all of Saturday. They made everybody sweat on Sunday as it took them till the last couple minutes of the game to pull away from San Jose State, which they did 56-42. And then, of course, we'll preview UCF and also take a look around really the first nine days of basketball from Big 12 play and one team in the Big 12 that could certainly be a sleeper. So... The game obviously started really well for Texas Tech. I mean, first drive, you bottled them up, forced a three and out. Second drive, it was really heavy on the run game. And now, Taj Brooks, the first three plays of those drives were three run plays. After that, you get a pass interference penalty. And from there, you pretty much let Taj do it until Morton hits Sparkman for an eight-yard gain. And then Taj takes it in. So... No complaints with the first drive for Texas Tech. And after that, Kansas really started packing in the box there. They really start stacking in the box. And just overall with this game, the defense played outstanding. And I know they gave up that huge play to Devin Neal in the fourth quarter. But the defensive play in this game, especially those last two possessions when you force them to field goals. Because remember... One of the biggest issues for Tex Tech this season has been, defensively at least, their red zone defense. It just hasn't been there. It's been a good defense overall, but once Kansas gets into the red zone, or once an opponent gets into the red zone, 75% of the time they're finishing with the touchdown. Twice on massive, massive possessions for Tech, with less than five minutes to go, they were able to force a field goal, which I got to say is a great sign for Texas Tech moving forward. Also, just going into that last sequence before we talk about the offense. The announcers were mystified on why we called a timeout there uh, after the second down play. They, they were asking, why would you help Kansas out? Well, really doesn't help Kansas out. They were not going to struggle to get enough plays off. They had plenty of time. And it was a good call by Joey McGuire. A good call. And I'm a big Joey McGuire fan. But the people saying that it was a great call or anything like that. I I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I feel like all of y'all probably had the same thoughts that I did. Like we are using the timeouts to make sure we have a chance to score. If they get a touchdown here. If they get a touchdown we want to have a chance to score. Even if it's only 30 seconds, give us a shot at a Hail Mary. Even if Barron's arm doesn't work and you need to throw Jake Strong in for that. Or even Brady Boyd in for that. But either way, great play. And I will say, that third down play, that was definitely offensive pass interference. I mean, that was a chance for a game-ending interception in the end zone. That Tech kind kind of got screwed out of, quite honestly. But... Coming out of that, the dr- we'll talk about the offense first here. Because the offense was miserable to watch. Miserable to watch. And again, 
you do not complain about a top 25 win on the road in November, especially up north in this conference. I will never complain about that. I will take that all day. I don't care how ugly this game is. Taking it 100%. No doubt about it. Even if it was our third string quarterback, I don't care. I'm taking it. But, but, we get a first possession touchdown. And we don't score another touchdown for the rest of the game. We get a field goal late on in the first. Go scoreless in the second. Can only muster a field goal in the third. And through the first 14 minutes and 50 seconds of the fourth, we don't have anything. We went almost 55 minutes without scoring a touchdown in this game. Which... I, I don't know. It, and it we've been saying keep running, run the ball, run with Brooks. And look, Brooks got 33 carries on the day for 133 yards. No complaints about his amount of touches. The problem was a lot of these looked like inside runs. And he only got four yards a carry. And he's normally averaging five. And again, n- not his fault. They were stacking the box. We needed some more creativity, and even Cameron Valdez only got four carries on the day. At least throw Valdez in there a little bit and give them a bit of a different look, even if it reduces Taj Brooks' carries to 25. I am completely okay reducing Taj Brooks' carries to 25 if you're giving some touches to Valdez so that it's a different look, different type of back for Kansas to have to defend against. So, Kitley, quite honestly... This guy, and this is the second time this season that we've gone over 45 minutes with just one field goal on the board. It happened in Laramie as well. He fell asleep. He, I don't know what he was doing on the sidelines, but he may have taken a nap on the sidelines because he fell asleep for about two and a half hours there. And then he woke up and dialed up the drive of his life. Starts it with a 16-yard gain to Jerome Bradley. Then... Finds Baron finds Miles Price over the middle, and that last play that was the definition of effort. Jerram Bradley's got to be there somewhere. And by the way, Baron Morton, that back shoulder throw that is it. That kid loves throwing that throw. I don't know if it was a hundred percent intentional or if his shoulder's not working, but man, it worked. And I'll tell you what, Jerram Bradley, he's done a disappearing act for Tech a lot this season. He made up for just about all of it with that play right there. And sets it up. Gino Garcia, obviously he had his struggles earlier in the year. Knocks down through a good field goal. I will say people criticize him maybe for missing a field goal earlier in the game. You got to realize that field goal was well within his range. There was about 10 miles per hour of wind against him. And so you're having to kick the ball lower. You're having to kick it a little bit different. And... It's kind of like golf. If you're going into the wind and you have a slight slice, it could become a bigger slice because the wind's going against it. And it's just really exaggerating all the spin on that ball. So no fault on the missed field goal. Overall, Baron Morton was pretty much just a bus driver in this one for the most part until the last drive where you go 64 yards in 26 seconds. But he went 19 of 25. 176 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. He got sacked three times. Taj Brooks, I mentioned it earlier, 133 yards. Jerram Bradley, probably the game of his season. A a really disappointing season for, for so far for Jerram Bradley. 
but four receptions for 91 yards. Miles Price, five for 29. Koi Eakin, three receptions for 29. And I hate to bring this up, but there was a third down play that could have iced it and could have put Kansas away that he just, he he dropped that pass. Um, it was a problem for him earlier in the season. This is really one of the first drops he's had in a while, so not too angry about it. But man, we could have been talking about Koik and dropping that as the thing that killed Texas Tech. It, we really could have. You think, and now, we've been playing all season with a banged up second string quarterback, so nobody can take this win away from Tech. I will admit, so that I'm not completely biased, I'm really glad Jason Bean didn't finish that game. I know they couldn't get a first down with him. I know that. But you got three sacks on ball yard. Jason Bean is a really good athlete. And what we have struggled with all year is running quarterbacks. And Devin Neal, 137 yards on 19 carries. Now, to be fair, a lot of that came off that 60-yard touchdown run. But I don't think that we could have brought as much pressure as we did against Jason Bean. Um I just, I, I think that would have, we could have got burnt. So good job on DeRuiter seeing that and making the adjustment and bringing pressure because Bollard was in trouble all day back there, I felt like. And now speaking about our struggles with mobile quarterbacks, we have another mobile quarterback coming in next week. And it's, by the way, of the team that just won a game by 42 against the team that controlled and still now controls their own destiny to make it to Arlington in UCF with John Rice Plumley returning against Oklahoma State. And that is a worrying sign, to say the least, for Texas Tech. Just taking a look at UCF, really their first game back with Jason Bean, or not Jason Bean, John Rice Plumley, who we talk about Jason Bean being a good athlete. John Rice Plumley is just a straight-up athlete that happens to play quarterback. He also happens to play baseball as well for UCF. He went 11 of 18, so didn't throw the ball much, but still got 299 yards, 16.6 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He only took one sack, and remember that number, because he also had 14 carries for 74 yards. So he had 13 plays that were either designed runs or scrambles. I mean, there's going to be a lot of speed on this UCF team. And just just some names to watch. RJ Harvey, 24 carries for 206 yards and three touchdowns last game. You have in the receiver position, Javon Baker going for four receptions, 112 yards, and then Kobe Hudson, who got three touchdowns on all three receptions and 96 yards. This is a team that burnt Oklahoma State all day on Saturday. Just absolutely burnt them. And look, I know, I know, we, Jilly McGuire likes to talk about, we have a lot of speed. And that is true. He is recruiting a lot of speed. The only problem for Texas Tech right now all those track guys that he recruited, they're not playing right now. They're redshirting. So, man, I, we're probably not going to be playing much press coverage. We're probably going to have some QB spies out there. And by God, Dedrion Taylor Demerson better be ready over the top to make some plays because, boy, um, 
yeah, this offense can burn you. So what are the keys for Texas Tech? First off, don't have UCF play like they did against Oklahoma State. That would be key number one. And second off, have your defense play exactly like they did against Kansas last week. That's, uh, honest to God, that's really the best way to put it. I mean, a lot's going to depend on Barry Morden South. So just from an offensive perspective, this UCF defense is gettable. They've been gettable pretty much all season. You saw Alan Bowman, the worst of Alan Bowman, with three interceptions against UCF. Uh, Ollie Gordon only averaged 2.1 yards a carry, so obviously you can't have Taj Brooks bottled up like that. But a big question is how healthy is Barry Morton? Because it's one of those things that it's an AC joint injury. He's not getting any help. He's It's not going to be fixed until the end of the season. He may need surgery on it. It's not going to be um, – how do you say it's it's one of those things that you can't he's not going to re-injure it it's about how much pain can he take and to be credit to him he's taking a lot of pain right now so no knocks against him for only being a game manager this past game I mean that's exactly what we needed but man if he's 70 80 percent healthy this could be a really really good game for Texas Tech if he's not 70 80 percent healthy we could be in trouble for the in this one and we're gonna see need to see some different looks for Taj Brooks I we're gonna need to see some different backs so that you get a couple different running styles that the defense needs to think about because it just kind of got old against Kansas you couldn't move the ball against them even running with one of the best running backs in the nation you just couldn't move the ball because they were stacking the box so well and their front seven was pretty solid all day, which was supposed to be uh, an area that could be a weak link for them. So coming in this one, you're really going to need Baron Morton to be as healthy as possible. And some good news is you're getting a, a weapon back. Mason Tharp will be back this week. So you have a second big tight end, your biggest tight end, that you can put over the middle, give some throws over the middle to Baron. And if Jerram Bradley has another game like that, if Kui Eakin can return to what he was a couple weeks ago. You could be in really good shape offensively with Miles Price and Xavier Wide also in the slot. There's a lot of weapons for him to throw to. But man, this offense, this offense has been painful to watch. And there's so many weapons and you get that's completely hamstrung with a quarterback who probably, who, whose shoulder's probably in constant pain. But defensively in this game, I think that you're going to have to put some spies on Plumley. You're going to have to put some spies on Plumley. You can't play too much press coverage. And a lot of this is going to come down to your safeties. A lot is going to come down to your safeties. Can the Rabbit have another good game? And can CJ Bakersfield grow into that safety role? Another question is, is Tyler Owens going to be healthy? Tyler Owens has been, as I said before, one of your more disappointing players so far this season. But can he be healthy for this one? And if not, is it going to be Brennan Jordan getting a lot of snaps at safety? Because he looked pretty good in the limited mouth run that we've seen of him. He has made some freshman errors, but he hasn't been bad. Will this step up in this game for this team to have a chance? And I think one thing that helps us, one thing that helps us with Jacob Rodriguez back as well, but Ben Roberts, redshirt freshman, Great season. He's not as good in pass coverage. 
And John Rice Plumley isn't. I don't want to say that a guy who just averaged about 18 yards and lethal passer because he is, but he's he's a guy that needs to use his legs. And I think Ben Roberts, if he could fill into that role of the QB spy, just keeping an eye on Plumley, that could be a really beneficial thing for Tech here. Personally, Tech is favorite, about two and a half point favorites right now. If I'm giving my God-honest opinion on this one, I don't think Texas Tech wins this game. I almost think it's it's more plausible to beat Texas with Quinn Ewers banged up than UCF with a healthy Plumlee. And I know that's a wild take, but if you watch them the last few games, I think that you honestly probably match up better with Texas to get that bowl eligibility win than UCF, especially without a rushing quarterback for Texas. Because that's really been something that has torched our defense all year. I mean, you go back to the first game. Wyoming torched us with that. West Virginia didn't even have a running quarterback. And they torched us with that. Avery Johnson torched us with his legs. I Texas Tech is going to need to do something differently defensively than they have against rushing quarterbacks so far this season. Another note. The Big 12 Championship. So... As I said before, that Kansas State game was pretty much an elimination game. If Tech had won that K-State game, they'd be they'd be in really good shape to have a shot to make it to Arlington. They're technically still in it. But, man, I, I think I put in what we needed, the most likely scenario that we needed into a parlay today just to see what the numbers were, just to stay alive, just to stay alive through this week. And it was something like a $5 bet. Gives you about a $300 payout. So we'll, we'll talk about scenarios for Tech to make it to Arlington if they can beat UCF and if all those other results go our way. But moving to basketball, it was not a not a pretty two games for Tech by any means. Uh, the offense went cold in the second half in the opener. But San Jose State, and I didn't know this until really right before tip-off, they're actually a pretty decent team. They went 10-8 and eight in the Mountain West last year. It's their coach's second year at the helm. They're a good program going in the right direction. Texas Tech struggled in this game. I mean, it was about five minutes to go, and Texas Tech was in a tied game, and then they go on an 18-2 run and just completely put the hammer down. Just a couple players of note. Darian Williams, he had a huge steal. And then he hit a three in like back-to-back possessions that honestly put this put this game out of reach. I, he completely turned the momentum in this game. I said earlier in the season, I thought he was the guy that, you know, could struggle the most of all of the starting lineup just because of his lack of Power 5 experience. Well, he was back playing a coach uh, team that he's played a couple times before from the Mount, his Mountain West days. Four for eight with nine points. I thought that he was really active defensively. thought Warren Washington did his job defensively as well with eight points. Pop Isaacs really, really struggled in this one. So he was one for seven from the field, one for four from three. That He was 0 for six from the field for a while. He could not make a shot. He went completely cold in this game. But one thing that I think is notable He led the team in both rebounds and assists, seven boards, five assists. So I think it is a really good sign that your star player, whose best aspect is shooting, 
is out there struggling struggling as much as possible in this game really struggling to get his game going and the key aspects of his game and he's still able to find a way to be productive for you in the assists and rebounds category and he also got a couple of steals as well i i think that's a really good sign i know i talked to his dad before i don't think there were any real doubts too many doubts about him coming back but i think there were some concerns about him and mccaslin's system i gotta say I think that he is a much better all-around player so far this year, even though his shooting is not not clicking right now. I think he is a much better player overall than he was last year. He's going to, and him being able to do that also gives you an opportunity that even if he's struggling, you don't need to take your best player out of the game at all. You can, he's not going to hurt you. He's going to find ways to get assists. He's going to find ways to help out off the ball getting rebounds, getting steals, doing a bit of dirty work, and then he can come alive later. So, ugly game against Sam or San Jose State, but took the momentum completely at the end. I thought there were some interesting play call or good play calls. There was this double drag move that we ran it twice. We missed it the first time, but the second time we got our got Warren Washington for a clear lane like two possessions after we called it and missed it the first time. So I think that you're seeing some really good offensive sets. I know that people will say, well, you only scored 56. You shot the ball 39% and 18.8% from three. If you do that, you're not going to score much. But I did think that they did get some good looks. Only 63% from the field, 7 of 11 overall. But overall, it was an ugly win. But same with Kansas. I think this early in the season against a pretty quality opponent, a higher quality opponent than we've played in a long time in our first week of the season I think overall this is a really good win this isn't the Georgetown team of last year that you were struggling with this isn't whatever Texas Southern school for the death that you were struggling to put away Grambling State whatever teams you were struggling with early on last year this was a legitimately good San Jose State team that could end up being in the NCAA tournament conversation could definitely be an NIT team so the fact that we were able to find a win without it being a good game for us against a good squad and a 14-point win at that, I'll take that all day long. And by the way, if you think this struggle was bad, the team that you're playing uh, next, this coming Wednesday in Villanova, they just lost to Penn. And I got to say, I watched that game. Villanova, boy, they, they did not look good. Uh, just some other notes around the Big 12. Baylor's kind of been struggling a bit. They won by 15 on Sunday. They haven't looked great. Iowa State's looked really good. I know that people are going to talk about that Kansas-Kentucky game. I just want to give you all a little bit of context with Hunter Dickinson and you know him going off with 20 boards. He He's going to be a great player in the Big 12, no doubt about it. Kentucky was also missing three seven-footers for this game. So they were playing a small ball lineup. I I know Kansas look good, not completely buying in on them yet. Oklahoma State, I got to say, they have a big game coming up today uh, playing St. Bonaventure. This has got to be a must win for Oklahoma State against St. Bona. I, I mean, it has got to be a must win after they lost uh, their first game of the season. This is a must win. Houston's about to get some tests. They play Townsend, which 
isn't much of a test, but then they get likely Wake Forest right after that. So they'll get some tests coming up. Texas is going to be tested for the first time, likely against, well, they play Louisville on Sunday. We all know who Louisville is. They're not very good. Texas is going to get a good test, likely against UConn on Monday night. But one team that has completely caught my eye this season that I think can be a sleeper that nobody has talked about. I'm not saying that this team is a sleeper to win the Big 12 at all, but it would be BYU. They won today against, yes, a bad team, Southeast Louisiana, 105-48. to And on Friday night, they beat San Diego State by nine, the team that was in the Final Four last year and is a top 20 team. BYU is probably going to enter about the same level as Texas Tech, and BYU's probably not far off of the Iowa States and Houston's of this league at all. But that's going to do it for this one. A huge game for Texas Tech against UCF Senior Day. It's going to be a tough one. We do not. We need UCF not to play like they did against. Uh, Oklahoma State, and we need to play really well defensively, just like we did against Kansas this past week for this one. But a win, and they are bowl eligible, and a win and about 17,000 other results this week, and we will have discussions on how Tech can get it, can get to Arlington for their first Big 12 championship heading into the last week of the season. But that's going to do it for this one. We'll be back. We'll break down the game a little bit earlier uh than we did this week and also importantly preview the matchup with villanova and the entire tournament that takes place over thanksgiving weekend